Trump gives a triumphant State of the Union address. Nancy Pelosi breaches protocol and Democrats continue to panic over their 2020 candidates. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Stop putting your online data at risk. Get protected at expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. Now, you may have noticed that we are like one month into the year and it's sheer chaos out there. Cats and dogs living together. The end of the world. We've watched near conflict in the Middle East. We have watched an impeachment effort go down the tubes. We've watched everybody worried about coronavirus. Wouldn't it be a good time to diversify your investments just a little bit into precious metals? Like, wouldn't that be a smart thing to do? I mean, global instability, particularly in places like China, can actually impact currency trading on a pretty significant level. And we're also blowing out the debt and the deficit, which means that at a certain point, the bill is going to come due. I'm not saying take all your money and put it in gold and bury it in the backyard. I'm saying take some of your money and diversify it into precious metals. You can do that with my friends over at Birch Gold. If you haven't yet taken the first step of requesting a free information kit on gold, go ahead and do it. If you haven't converted a portion of your eligible IRA or 401k to an IRA in precious metals, have the conversation, ask all of your questions, get more information about it. Birch Gold will go to work and make things super simple for you. I trust them. I've been working with them for years. Wouldn't recommend them if I didn't trust them. There's no obligation. You have nothing to lose to take that first step. Birch Gold Group has thousands of satisfied customers, countless five-star reviews, and A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Text BEN to 474747 during the month of January when you open an IRA in Precious Metals. You will get a signed copy of my book, The Right Side of History, for free. Again, you have to text BEN to 474747. Open an IRA in Precious Metals. Get a signed copy of my book, The Right Side of History. Again, text BEN to 474747 and and when you do open that IRA in Precious Metals, you get a signed copy of my book, The Right Side of History. Also, even if you don't want to open that IRA, you should be looking into diversification. It's just a smart thing to do. Okay. So last night, last night was a night. Hey, president Trump has had himself quite a week. Very big week for the president of the United States. And last night, the Democrats blew it in a massive, massive way. They really did. Let me just explain what the Democrats week has gone like, because Trump is just the flip side of that, right? If the Democrats have a bad week, that means that Trump had a pretty good week. So here is what the Democrats have done over the last week, over the last week alone. It's been a crap week for them. I mean, seriously. So first, there was the Democrats bump in Iowa. Remember that was going to happen? They're going to get big publicity. Democrats bump in Iowa. Remember that? Yeah. Then there's the Democrats impeachment effort. Remember how that was going to go great for them? They're going to impeach the president of the United States. You remember that? And it was going to give them a big bump because everyone was going to see how corrupt Trump was. Well, today they're taking that final impeachment vote in the Senate, the vote to convict. Yeah, yeah. And then the Democrats were making the case that, listen, even if you like the economy, even if you like things that are going on in foreign policy, the president of the United States is a petty child. He's a petty, tyrannical child. It's all chaos inside the White House. We are the adults in the room, right? That's what we are. We're the adults in the room. And you can trust us with power because, number one, we know how to handle things, not like the Iowa caucuses or anything. And also, we are not going to be petty and mean-spirited and ridiculous. We're not going to act like small children in any way. So the Democrats looking like adults, right? That was going to be their, their campaign, was that they were going to restore honor and dignity and decency to the White House. And then last night, they just... And you know what all that adds up to? You know what all that adds up to? The Democrats' 2020 chances. You know, I've been fairly bearish on the Trump chances for re-election until 2020, right? I, I, I said I'd put him at no better than 50-50. If Donald Trump of last night shows up, not only is he going to win, he's going to win big. Now, obviously, you, we say this after every Donald Trump State of the Union address, which is today is the moment Trump finally arrived. 
But the reality is that Trump is at his strongest point of his presidency. He's at 49% in the Gallup poll approval rating, which is his highest point of his presidency. 63% of Americans say that they like the economy and they like how President Trump handles the economy, more importantly. And Democrats are looking wilder, more radical, more ridiculous, more petty, more thin-skinned, more childish every single day. So you know last night, you know what it looked like? It looked like this is what they are doing with their 2020 chances, the Democrats' 2020 chances. Okay, so it's a real bad week for Democrats, a real bad week for Democrats. So President Trump strolls on into the Congress last night. He is still under impeachment, theoretically, because today is is the day that they're going to finish this whole thing. There are going to be no more than 48 votes, presumably, for the actual conviction of the president here. So they didn't get a single Republican vote anywhere along the line. And this whole thing started with Nancy Pelosi being awful. So people were ripping on Trump because supposedly Trump snubbed her handshake. We'll analyze that in one second, because listen, first of all, I wouldn't put it past Trump to snub her handshake. Second of all, I'm not sure that I would blame Trump snubbing her handshake after what she does here, right? People want to pretend that Donald Trump is the only petty, vengeful, thin-skinned man in Washington, D.C. I'd like to welcome you to Congress. I'd like to welcome you to American politics, where people are vengeful and petty and idiotic and thin-skinned. Like, if you spend any time on the Hill, you'll recognize one of the great disappointments in life. Adam Carolla used to say this, the the godfather of podcasting. Adam Carolla used to say this. He used to say, one of the great disappointments in life is that when you're a kid and you sit around, you look at all the adults, they all have cars, they all have houses, they all have spouses, and you think to yourself, man, the adults are really smart, man, they, they must know things. And then you grow up and you become an adult, and all the people that you were in class with who were picking their boogers and sticking them under the desk, all those kids are adults and they're morons. Okay, this is the great disappointment of American politics if you're somebody who is deeply invested in American politics. It turns out that politicians are just like all other human beings. Namely, they are venal and they are stupid and they are idiotic and they are thin-skinned and they are childish. And Nancy Pelosi is no exception. Queen slaying, it turns out, she is just as ridiculous and petty and vengeful as the man that all the left loves to hate, right? They've got the orange man bad. He's a child and all of this stuff. And is President Trump thin-skinned? Of course, of course. I mean, if you want... The news that President Trump is the most dignified president ever to enter the office, you're going to have to go somewhere else because that ain't true. But I'll tell you something. Nancy Pelosi is nowhere near dignified. She is nowhere near decent. Nancy Pelosi is terrible. So this thing opens, right? What starts the controversy, truly starts the controversy, is the fact that Nancy Pelosi, in announcing the president of the United States, doesn't use the traditional honorific. So traditionally, the Speaker of the House says, it is my great honor and uh, and." and duty. It's, there's like an actual formula that you use when you are the Speaker of the House. Instead, she just says, here's the president. Right? She just kind of drops, here's the president. And so here she is saying that yesterday. Members of Congress, the President of the United States. Right. So she, she doesn't bother with the traditional honorific. OK, now what the left was all upset about is Trump supposedly snubbing her handshake. Now, the the actual quote unquote snub it's unclear whether this actually happened. Well, you'll watch the whole thing. I don't want to do this like the Zabruder film, but I think that it's important to actually note what happened here. So you'll see that Trump hands copies of his speeches to the copies of the speech will come in handy later. He hands them to Pence. He hands them to Pelosi. And then he doesn't shake Pence's hand. And then he's already turning away by the time she offers her hand to shake. And he sort of turns away. First of all, she's impeaching him. So frankly, I don't care. You know, I know people get very upset about this sort of thing. Oh, it's so terrible. It's so te- I don't think it's that terrible that she didn't use the honorific, except that it's more traditional. I don't think that it's that terrible that he didn't shake her hand. Like, I, I actually prefer honesty in politics to all of the pomp and ceremony. I think that the State of the Union address is a bag of crap, usually. But 
I will just point out that Nancy Pelosi is a vengeful, vengeful human being. And all of the, you remember that time that Nancy Pelosi was asked specifically about whether she hated Donald Trump? You remember this? She was asked about whether she hated Donald Trump and she got very angry at a reporter. I don't hate Donald Trump. I'm a Catholic. How dare you? Sure. Sure you don't. Okay. So then the speech, that, that was the opener. So at the opener, you already know that the, the gap is very wide. And then Trump proceeds to give what is one of the two best speeches of his presidency. The other great speech of his presidency was the speech that he gave over in Europe where he talked about defense of Western civilization. The left hated that one too. His speech last night by the, by the immediate poll numbers was approved by some 76% of Americans, including 82% of independents. Okay, this is a very, very good speech. It was well-written. It was well-organized. President Trump does the thing that all presidents do since Reagan. You know, the thing where you shout out somebody in the top row of the of the back of the of the Congress and you honor them. And it's like the price is right. You know, come on down. Presidents have been doing this since Reagan started this tradition back in the 80s. And usually it's really boring and and kind of forced. Trump does this amazingly well because President Trump is a TV guy. Right. President Trump understands how TV works. And so he showed instead of telling and President Trump picks great guests and then he actually does cool and fun things. That's okay. You're allowed to do cool and fun things during the State of the Union address. But we're going to get into all of the details of the State of the Union address because if this is his reelect campaign, he's going to womp whoever the Democrats put up. It ain't going to matter. It could be Sanders. It could be Biden. It won't matter, right? If this Trump showed up, if this Trump showed up full time, this guy would be at 55% in the approval ratings and this thing would be over. With this economy, with this foreign policy, this thing would be over. Okay, it would be done. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, It'd be a foolish move for you to park out on the streets of Los Angeles and not lock your car door. I mean, we have a lot of petty crime here in the city of Los Angeles. It'd be a foolish move not to lock your front door at night, no matter where you live, because even though the chances are very low that somebody's going to break into your house, those chances exist. Well, then why are you leaving your internet activity unlocked? There's a significantly better shot that somebody is going to grab your internet data than that somebody is going to break into your house, but you don't leave your front door unlocked. So don't leave your internet activity unprotected either. There are a lot of people looking for that internet activity. You got big data who are trying to grab it and use it and monetize it. You got the government trying to monitor you. You also have the the hackers who are constantly looking for those credit card numbers so they can make money off of you. This is why I use ExpressVPN. It's the software that I and thousands of my fans use every day to protect our data online. In the time since I started using ExpressVPN, hacking methods have grown more sophisticated. At The Daily Wire, we invest thousands of dollars a month in cybersecurity because we are a regular target of attacks, but you don't have to spend that kind of money to get great protection. Instead, go check out ExpressVPN and do it yourself. Visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Ben. Get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Protect your internet today with the VPN I trust to keep my data safe. Go to expressvpn.com slash Ben to get started again. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben to get started. Okay, so we're going to get into the content of Trump's speech. A note, Donald Trump was so good last night. Okay, this was like, the be- it, it, I've, I've had good Trump, bad Trump, right? We had a jingle. We played it for years. Okay, this was excellent Trump. This is like top notch peak Trump. In his element, right? Speaking in front of a crowd. Yes, speaking off teleprompter, it is no sin to speak off the teleprompter. The speech was well written. It was well organized, as I keep saying. And he also is great at pointing out particular Americans who are unifying in, in who they are, right? That, that it was just wonderful. All of this means that if this Trump showed up, if he showed up full time, just imagine for a second, just in your mind's eye, imagine this Trump, instead of the Trump who sits in toilet rage tweets, Imagine, right, like he's sitting in the bathroom, just mini Michael Bloomberg. Instead of that, imagine you got this every day. If you got this every day, Donald Trump would be Ronald Reagan. If you got this every day, Donald Trump would be Ronald Reagan and he'd be winning Reagan-like victories, which means 
There's good news and there's bad news. The good news is that this is that Trump's peak is pretty high, right? That he's got a lot of room to grow if he became this, right? I know this is it's like falling on deaf ears. It's so irritating. But if he were this all the time, he'd be almost unstoppable. If Donald Trump is not this and he loses, that's on no one except Donald Trump. Because if you have the potential to hit 350 in the major leagues and instead you decide to go out partying every night and jump drunk the next morning and then bat with a hangover and you end up batting 260, that is not on your batting coach. That is not on the opposing pitchers. That is on you. So this means that Trump bears the heavy load of responsibility of being best Trump. Okay, the Trump that we saw last night, Republicans, conservatives, I think Americans, all Americans, regardless of your political orientation, would like to see every day. And if you were like this, not only his positions, but he himself would be personally more popular. Why? Because what we saw last night was really peak stuff. It was excellent. Okay, so Trump begins his speech and he begins with the theme. The theme is the great American comeback. And this is indeed the theme of his presidency is that like Ronald Reagan, he has brought America back from the brink that under Barack Obama, the economy had been growing, but an extraordinarily slow rate that under Barack Obama, America was less respected around the world. And who cares about respect? America was less powerful around the world. America was was less muscular around the world, and that the American people were less confident in themselves, that they had lost faith in their bill, in the ability of the country to, to stand for good things. And so Trump says, listen, I'm here for the great American comeback, and my economic record proves it. And he spends the first like 25 minutes of the speech just listing off economic stats, which is great. It is, it is smart politics. It is true. And if all he did was tweet one sentence from this speech every day from now until the election, if that's all he tweeted, he would win re-election. Because this is his main pitch, right? His pitch in 2016 was Hillary Clinton's the worst. She's terrible. And and that was enough to get him through. But now that you're president, you got to run on your record. The good news for Trump is the guy's got a great record. If you looked at just his accomplishments and not all the crap that he says all the time, this is and and this is what conservatives and Republicans would have Americans do, right? Whenever you talk to conservatives and Republicans, they're always like, yeah, we know what he is. We don't like the tweets, but look what he's doing. You'll hear that from nearly every Republican. Okay, well, if Trump stopped doing all the silly stuff and instead did this, then that's all you would get, right? You would just get the good record. So here was President Trump talking about the great American comeback. Three years ago, we launched the great American comeback. Tonight, I stand before you to share the incredible results. Jobs are booming. Incomes are soaring. Poverty is plummeting. Crime is falling. Confidence is surging. And our country is thriving and highly respected again. America's enemies are on the run. America's fortunes are on the rise. And America's future is blazing bright. Okay, and that's true. Okay, the economy is on the rise. Our fortunes are on the rise internationally. This, in, in terms of policy, this has been a very, very good presidency on everything except spending. This has been a very, very good presidency. And then Trump continues to pump the economy, which again is the point where he should be putting pressure. Presidents who are incumbent with strong economies do not lose re-election. Here is President Trump pushing on that button. The years of economic decay are over. The days of our country being used, taken advantage of, and even scorned by other nations are long behind us. Gone to are the broken promises, jobless recoveries, tired platitudes, and constant excuses for the depletion 
of American wealth, power, and prestige. Okay, that's a Reagan-esque line. I don't know who wrote the speech, but this is excellent. The reason that that's excellent is because that characterization of the Obama administration, which is what it is, right? The jobless recovery, the tired platitudes, which is what Obama was full of hope and change, and the constant excuses for why America couldn't be greater than this, right? That, that's good stuff. That is, that is Ronald Reagan basically saying to Jimmy Carter, the days of malaise are done. Excellent stuff from President Trump. Excellent stuff from, from his speechwriters. And then President Trump, again, pushes on this button. And this was the constant push, right? This was the smartest part of his speech. The first 25 minutes, as I say, of the speech were completely unifying because most Americans are seeing their wages rise. Most Americans are seeing the best economy that we have had in half a century. Most Americans are feeling very positive about the trajectory of the economy. So why the hell wouldn't you brag about that? Here is Trump continuing along these lines. In just three short years, we have shattered the mentality of American decline, and we have rejected the downsizing of Americans' destiny. We have totally rejected the downsizing. We're moving forward at a pace that was unimaginable just a short time ago, and we are never, ever going back. Okay, so again, this, this is the strongest point for President Trump, and he continues to push us. Now, one of the things that this does by pushing on the economy and pushing on it hard for 25 minutes is there are a bunch of cutaways during this part of the State of the Union and Democrats would not stand for any of it. They wouldn't stand for any of it. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember during Obama's State of the Union address when he would talk about the economic recovery and jobless rates being down, whether Republicans stood or not. All I know is that this doesn't look great. When Trump spent 20 minutes talking about African-American jobless rate, lowest it's ever been, teenage jobless rate, lowest it's ever been, Latino jobless rate, lowest it's ever been, female jobless rate, lowest it's ever been. And all of them are sitting there like, bad look, bad look. At a certain point, you might want to share good news for the country. Sure, it's good news for Trump. It's also good news for the country, isn't it? And sitting there and, and acting as though it's bad news for the country when good things are happening does look pretty divisive. Now, what Democrats say is that the divisions in our country aren't really about the performance of the country on the economy or anything like that. The divisions are purely about Trump which is why what Trump did last night in giving what was a well-spoken, dignified address to the American people completely undercuts the Democrats' argument. And when they act like children, it really undercuts their argument. Because if their argument is the only disunifying part of the American experiment right now is Donald Trump, and then Trump gets up there and gives a unifying speech and acts like an adult, and they act like damned children, that's a horrible pitch. It's a horrible pitch. It's bad politics to the max, really bad politics for the Democrats. We'll get to more of President Trump's barn burner of a State of the Union address in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that going to the post office, that is a waste of productive time. You may love the post office, that's fine. But you know, taking all the boxes, schlepping them in the car, going to the post office, waiting in line, that takes a lot of time out of your day. And if you are in business, time is money. Not only that, why would you spend the max that you can on postage as opposed to the minimum that you can on postage? This is where my friends at stamps.com comes in. Postage rates have gone up again, but stamps.com eases the pain with big discounts off post office retail rates. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service directly to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices and online seller shipping out products, even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle all of this with ease. You simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. Stamps.com not only saves you time, it saves you money as well. With Stamps.com, you get discounted postage rates you can't even get 
at the post office. It's no wonder 700,000 small businesses already use stamps.com. There's no excuse to go to the post office when stamps.com is available. We here at the Daily Wire use stamps.com for good reason. Right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro. That is stamps.com, enter Shapiro, and you get that special deal. It is a pretty great deal. Stamps.com, click on that mic at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro. Okay, so President Trump goes on. He brags about the economy. He talks about that since his election, we've created 7 million new jobs, 5 million more than the government experts projected during the previous administration. He talks about the low unemployment rate. He talks about the net worth of bottom half of wage earners increasing by 47%, three times faster than the increase for the top 1%. It means this whole litany of good news. And the Democrats will not stand up. Not only will they not stand up, they're really upset about it. And they grow increasingly upset as the speech goes on. Now, Trump leads with all the most unifying stuff, right? All the most unifying stuff is here's the good news for the country. And the Democrats cannot stand it. Horrible look for them. Because then by the time that Trump gets to his actual policy proposals, many of which are very controversial, by the time he gets to that, and Democrats are walking out. First of all, not all Americans are watching by that point. Second of all, the Democrats wouldn't stand for even the good things. Why do we care that they're walking out for the stuff they don't like, that they actively dislike? If you won't stand up, to, you, you have no credibility. If you want to have credibility, if you're a Democrat and you want to have credibility to say that what Trump just said is so awful that I'm really upset about it, you can't sit down while he says the good part. You have to stand up for the good part. And then when he says the bad part, then you walk out. It just is a matter of optics. But Democrats don't understand optics, apparently. So instead, they sit down for all the good news. So example, here's President Trump, this clip six. Here's President Trump talking about that net worth of bottom half of wage earners, which is the best news for President Trump, right? Is that the Democrats keep complaining that all of the growth is going to the people at the top. And that is not true. An enormous amount of growth is going to the people at the lower end of the economic spectrum, because as it turns out, capitalism is a fantastic engine. Here's President Trump. Since my election, the net worth of the bottom half of wage earners has increased by 47 percent, three times faster than the increase for the top one percent. After decades of flat and falling incomes, wages are rising fast and wonderfully they are rising fastest for low income workers who have seen a 16 percent pay increase since my election. This is a blue-collar boom. Real median household income is now at the highest level ever recorded. Okay, this is all great news, and the Democrats are sitting there sucking lemons. I mean, every lemon in the grove. It's amazing. They've somehow turned lemonade into lemons, and they are sucking on those lemons. And they are sour-faced, and they are angry, and they are upset. Right, and, and then President Trump moved into the more controversial parts of his speech. Now, what was great about the speech... Many things great about the speech. One of the things that was great about the speech was that President Trump did, as I say, he front loaded all the unifying stuff and Democrats refused to even cheer for their own unification. And then he moved into subtle critiques of the Democrats via popular policies, which is excellent, excellent politics. So he, he, he right before he gets into all the controversial parts, he talks about criminal justice reform, a policy I don't like, by the way. I think criminal justice reform is based on the basic lie that there is mass incarceration in the country based on race, that the police are going and rounding up black and brown people for no reason, and that this is just the repeal of the of the 13th Amendment in effect. And all of that. I don't believe any of that. I think it's mythical. I think people who commit crimes should go to jail. And I think that releasing people early from prison who go to jail typically has a, a pretty steep downside in terms of the recidivism rate. And we've seen that here in the state of California. But that is one of Trump's bipartisan, his bipartisan bills, the criminal justice reform passed by Democrats. What was amazing about this is even when Trump announced criminal justice reform and talked about it in the State of the Union address, Democrats 
still had a rough time clapping for it. So Nancy Pelosi was like slow to get to her feet on criminal justice reform, for example. But here was President Trump finishing up the sort of unifying portion of his speech, which is the first 35 minutes is clip seven. Our roaring economy has, for the first time ever, given many former prisoners the ability to get a great job and a fresh start. The second chance at life is made possible because we passed landmark criminal justice reform into law. Everybody said that criminal justice reform couldn't be done, but I got it done, and the people in this room got it done. Right, okay, and the Democrats, look, see, there you can see Pence in the background clapping, and Pelosi refuses to clap for a bill that she helped sponsor. Right, look, you can see Pence start to clap. Now, eventually, she realizes what's going on. I don't know if she was distracted or what. Eventually, she realizes what's going on and that she's not supposed to be sour for this part, and she starts clapping. But that is a bad optic look. He is complimenting the people in the room, and the Democrats are like, won't take the compliment. Trump said a nice thing. Can't do that. Okay, then Trump got into the subtle critique of the Democrats. In this part, truly, whoever structured this speech, it's quite brilliant because the way that he criticizes the Democrats is by not criticizing the Democrats directly, at least during this portion of the speech. As the speech goes on, he gets harsher and harsher in his criticism of the Democrats. So he begins by pointing out that he has brought to the room Juan Guaido, who's legitimate leader of Venezuela, who has been barred from the, from the leadership of Venezuela by the socialist dictator Nicolas Maduro. In, criti- in critiquing Maduro, Trump is subtly critiquing all the Democrats who have refused to side with Guaido. That would include people like Ilhan Omar and Bernie Sanders, people who have suggested that Maduro should remain in power or that Maduro isn't a dictator or any of that kind of stuff because at root they are socialists. So here's President Trump pointing out Juan Guaido in the audience. Again, Trump is fantastic at the game show aspect of the State of the Union, right? The part where he says, okay, this person up in the rafters and everybody cheers. Or we've seen this before where he brought in the refugee from North Korea who brought his crutches. I mean, he, he's great at picking guests for the State of the Union. Many other presidents have not been. I remember when George W. Bush brought the lady who like founded Baby Einstein or something. Like Trump is great at this because he's a TV guy. He understands how TV works. So here he is paying tribute to Juan Guaido. The United States is leading a 59-nation diplomatic coalition against the socialist dictator of Venezuela, Nicolas Maduro. Maduro is an illegitimate ruler, a tyrant who brutalizes his people, but Maduro's grip on tyranny will be smashed and broken. Here this evening is a very brave man who carries with him the hopes, dreams, and aspirations of all Venezuelans. Joining us in the gallery is the true and legitimate president of Venezuela, Juan Guaido. Mr. President, please take this message back to your family. Please take this message back that all Americans are united with the Venezuelan people in their righteous struggle for freedom. Socialism destroys nations, but always remember freedom unifies the soul. Okay, the fact that that Trump is now contrasting socialism in Venezuela with freedom, right, that is a message to the Democrats because guess who their frontrunner is right now? A self-declared socialist, a self-declared socialist who skipped this State of the Union address to go rally in New Hampshire his base, where he's going to talk about the glories of socialism, which, by the way, has about a 19% approval rating among Americans. So that's, that's smart politicking by the president. Then, again, he's great at this. He brought forth Charles McGee. So he, he talks about how this young 13-year-old, who, whose name is Ian, wants to join Space Force, which, by the way, all for Space Force, man. Space Force is fantastic. Uh, first thing, we need to build the Death Star. But he calls out Charles McGee. Charles McGee is a Tuskegee Airman. Now, I've had 
Tuskegee Airmen on the radio show. Amazing, unbelievable people. And not only a tribute to America, but a tribute to black Americans in particular who went and fought for a country that was discriminate, actively discriminating against them, but recognizing that even as they were fighting for the country that was actively discriminating against them, that the promises of the Declaration and the Constitution would eventually be upheld and justified and that America was and is a great force for good in the world. Right? The, the fact that, that the Tuskegee Airmen were willing to fight for America and Colin Kaepernick today isn't willing to not kneel for the national anthem is, in fact, a repudiation of a lot of the race-based politics that are happening right now. Because let me tell you, if black Americans in 1943 were willing to go and shoot down Nazi fighters over Berlin at a time when they came back to the United States and were immediately shoveled into segregation, what does that say about the lack of gratitude, respect, and courage of people like Colin Kaepernick? And that's, that's what a large part of this is about, as you'll see. Here's President Trump calling out Charles McGee. Now, there, this is reported by Ben Jacobs, who I believe is a reporter at NBC News. Ben Jacobs reported that Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib did not even stand for Charles McGee, which is unbelievable if that's true. Again, that's not me reporting that. It's Ben Jacobs reporting that. Here is President Trump calling out Charles McGee. Charles McGee was born in Cleveland, Ohio, one century ago. Charles is one of the last surviving Tuskegee Airmen, the first black fighter pilots, and he also happens to be Ian's great-grandfather. After more than 130 combat missions in World War II, he came back home to a country still struggling for civil rights and went on to serve America in Korea and Vietnam. On December 7th, Charles celebrated his 100th birthday. A few weeks ago, I signed a bill promoting Charles McGee to Brigadier General. And earlier today, I pinned the stars on his shoulders in the Oval Office. General McGee, our nation salutes you. Thank you, sir. I mean, that's awesome stuff, right? That's just, that's super cool. It is, it is fantastic. It also leads Trump into a little, a little bit of the speech where he talks about the history of the United States and he kind of subtly bashes Congress for impeaching him, right? He never mentioned impeachment the whole night. This was his only subtle reference to impeachment. And it, again, a smart reference here, because if you're not watching, you're not going to catch it. Here is Trump mentioning to Congress, guys, you know what? We've had priorities before, and those priorities don't generally include impeaching people for non-impeachable conduct. From the pilgrims to the founders, from the soldiers at Valley Forge to the marchers at Selma, and from President Lincoln to the Reverend Martin Luther King, Americans have always rejected limits on our children's future. Members of Congress, we must never forget that the only victories that matter in Washington are victories that deliver for the American people. The people are the heart of our country. Their dreams are the soul of our country. And their love is what powers and sustains our country. We must always remember that our job is to put America first. Okay, again, smart politics because the converse would be don't put America first. And also, when he says the only victories that are worth winning are the ones that win for the people of the country, he's basically saying it's not a political victory to impeach people on the basis of nonsense, right? That, that's, that is the underlying tone there, right? That is the reference. Okay, we're going to get to more from President Trump's quite brilliant State of the Union address. He goes hard after the Democrats in just a second. And we'll get to Nancy Pelosi's insane display. I mean, really, like politically insane. I don't mean like she's an actual crazy person. She's going to run through the streets flinging poo or something. That's just her constituents in San Francisco. I mean that she is, uh, I just mean that she is 
politically mad to think that this is a good move. We'll get to that in just one second. First, if you haven't noticed already, 2020 is wild, man, and the election race is just getting started. We know that you need to know everything from debate and primary updates to the latest nonsense from the Democratic candidates. The best way to stay informed is to become a Daily Wire member and get comprehensive news and opinion from us on demand. So we are giving you 20% off all new memberships. That's correct. 20% off all new memberships when you use promo code DW2020. Members get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro Show, select bonus content, access to the mailbag, and now my election insight op-eds. Plus, our new all-access tier gets you into live online Q&A discussions with me, Andrew Clavin, Matt Walsh, Michael Moles, plus our site's writers and special guests. Let us answer your questions and help you stay one step ahead of the left. If you haven't already, download the Daily Wire app so you can get push notifications for breaking news and special coverage. It's a really awesome feature. You're going to love it. Again, that is promo code DW2020 for 20% off, which is fantastic. So join today. Stay informed on all things 2020. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so then the president goes on the attack. So he spent the first I don't know, two thirds of the speech not going on attack, saying very unifying things, talking about his vision for America and the Democrats refuse to clap. Then he goes on the attack. And this is the part where Democrats start getting up and walking out. So President Trump starts attacking Democrats for the fact that they want to take over the health care system. And Democrats are very mad about this. They literally start getting up and walking out, which is a bad look. And by the way, the Democrats throughout this speech were acting childish and disrespectful. It wasn't just Nancy Pelosi at the end tearing up the speech, as we'll see. It was Democrats throughout acting ridiculous. So Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, Right, during the speech, is clip 36, Democrats were, were actually sitting there and playing on their phones, which, by the way, is against House rules, right? You're not supposed to be sitting and playing on your phone during the State of the Union address. Now, the Democrats will say, well, yeah, well, Republicans were playing with fidget spinners during the impeachment stuff. Yeah, that's true. But your case is that you're the adults in the room. Trump's making the State of the Union address, which is not quite the same as, you know, 37 hours of useless testimony on impeachment. But even if it were, if your case is that you're better than the other side, you know, it's real dumb sitting there. And looking like you have nothing but scorn for the process itself, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, you can actually see it here. Can we see it visually? We don't have to play the, the, the whole clip. Just fast forward to the part where you can see them playing with fidget spinners. If you, you There it is. So you can see Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, you know, they're, they're actually laughing and yucking it up. And, and, they are, and they are looking at their phone. She was tweeting throughout the speech. And she was tweeting throughout the speech, which again is against House rules. If you are look, trying to look like the adults in the room, you don't look like the adults in the room. You look childish and petty. Okay, so back to President Trump. He goes on attack against the Democrats, it's clip 12, and he talks about his own health care plans. And then he makes a promise that I think is very dumb, which is that he's never going to change Medicare and Social Security, basically. But then he goes on real attack against the Democrats, he says, listen, I don't want to steal your health care plan. The Democrats do. This is true. I've also made an ironclad pledge to American families. We will always protect patients with pre-existing conditions. And we will always protect your Medicare, and we will always protect your Social Security, always. But as we work to improve Americans' health care, there are those who want to take away your health care, take away your doctor, and abolish private insurance entirely. 132 lawmakers in this room have endorsed legislation to impose a socialist takeover of our health care system, wiping out the private health insurance plans of 180 million very happy Americans. To those watching at home tonight, I want you to know we will never let socialism destroy American health care. Okay, that is 100% true, 
Right? There are 132 lawmakers who got behind Bernie's Medicare for All plan, which does abolish private health care insurance. It does. And most Americans, the vast majority of Americans, do have private plans through their employers. So what he's saying there is true, and it's an effective line of attack, and Bernie will get clobbered with it. And most Americans do not want their health plan disappearing. They do not, and they are not interested in having their gold-plated health care from their employer replaced with a crap Medicare program, a Medicare for all program. By the way, even seniors have supplemental Medicare, right? They have, they have Medicare Part D. They, they generally are buying supplemental health insurance in order to supplement their Medicare. Okay, and then Trump goes off on illegal immigration. What's hilarious about this particular portion of the speech is that I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama claimed that he didn't want illegal immigrants covered by Obamacare. And Joe Wilson, who is a congressman from, I believe, South Carolina, yelled out in the middle of the State of the Union, you lie. And this became a massive controversy, huge controversy, because Obama said, no, I'm not I'm not looking to cover illegal immigrants. I don't I never said that. I don't want to do it. Now the Democrats are real open about this. I mean, there's an actual question asked at one of the debates whether their health care plans would cover illegal immigrants. And every single hand went up. And then hilariously, the fact checker was like, no, they don't want it to be free. Medicare isn't free. You pay taxes. It's like, oh, my God. That's not the point. The point is, if you want a government-sponsored program to cover illegal immigrants who are not paying their fair share of taxes, meaning because they're not legal. Some are paying taxes, but they're not paying income tax, presumably. And if they are, it's very few of them. If that's the case, then you're seeking to have taxpayers pay for illegal immigrants' health care. Trump really goes off on that. This is clip 13. Over 130 legislators in this chamber have endorsed legislation that would bankrupt our nation by providing free taxpayer-funded health care to millions of illegal aliens, forcing taxpayers to subsidize free care for anyone in the world who unlawfully crosses our borders. These proposals would raid the Medicare benefits of our seniors and that our seniors depend on while acting as a powerful lure for illegal immigration. That is what is happening in California and other states. Their systems are totally out of control, costing taxpayers vast and unaffordable amounts of money. If forcing American taxpayers to provide unlimited free health care to illegal aliens sounds fair to you, then stand with the radical left. But if you believe that we should defend American patients and American seniors, then stand with me and pass legislation to prohibit free government health care for illegal aliens. Okay, so again, that is going to be a pretty telling point, and every Democrat has endorsed the opposite. So Trump did go on attack here. Many of the Democrats started to walk out at this point. You saw Tim Ryan, Congressman Tim Ryan, saying, I'm walking out now because this is all lies, and it's all terrible, and it's all awful, and all the rest of this. But again, that is an effective political attack by President Trump. And there are a bunch of political points that Trump made, and Democrats couldn't even get behind it. Like, they didn't stand up for the killing of Baghdadi, of al-Baghdadi. They, they were upset when he mentioned the killing of Qasem Soleimani. He brought to the to the actual State of the Union, the, I believe is the the brother of the, uh, or the wife of a, of a sergeant who was killed by Qasem Soleimani. And then he mentioned Soleimani's death and the Democrats were very upset about all of this. Again, this is, it was just bad optics for the Democrats, which is the point of the State of the Union is to create good optics for yourself, bad optics for your political Opponents, the best optics for President Trump is the the Democrats, many of them had already walked out. And then Trump did what is the best TV moment that has ever been had in the State of the Union addresses be clip 22. And President Trump brought the the wife of a of a member of the armed services, wife and child, a member of the armed services, and he reunited the family live on camera during the State of the Union, which is just great TV. Okay, yes, of course it's gimmicky, but it's not gimmicky when it's when it's honest and true and fantastic. Here is what that looked like. 
How can you not get chills from that, right? I mean, it's just fantastic stuff. Okay, so he finishes up the speech, and this was the most important part of the speech. People are going to ignore it, but it was the most important part of the speech. This is clip 21. So he is, he is, uh, he is, I'm sorry, this is clip 23 by the new numbering. So he is talking about the history of the United States. And this is the great difference between how many people view America, including most Democrats, and how a fraction of the Democratic Party that has seized control of the Democratic Party sees America. I've talked about this extensively on the show. The Democratic Party, the new Democratic Party, sees America as the 1619 Project. America is inherently bad. It's rooted in genocide. It's rooted in racism. It's rooted in evil. It's rooted in slavery. America was born on the back of human evil. And thus, everything that has been good from America has been fruit of the poisonous tree. President Trump provides a contrary vision, and that is America has been a pretty damned great place. And yes, we haven't always lived up to our original commitments, but the story of America is us broadening those commitments to encompass the people they should have and expanding those commitments outward to people who don't even live in this country, freeing continents from tyranny and slavery, freeing people all over the world, creating the greatest economic engine in the history of humankind. Right? That is the vision of America that Trump spells out here, and Democrats oppose this. So Again, this is smart politics. Here's President Trump. He's implicitly repudiating the Democrats' Howard Zinn view of the United States. Here's President Trump. This is clip 23. This is the place where the pilgrims landed at Plymouth and where Texas patriots made their last stand at the Alamo, the beautiful, beautiful Alamo. The American nation was carved out of the vast frontier by the toughest, strongest, fiercest, and most determined men and women ever to walk on the face of the earth. Our ancestors braved the unknown, tamed the wilderness, settled the Wild West, lifted millions from poverty, disease, and hunger, vanquished tyranny and fascism, ushered the world to new heights of science and medicine, laid down the railroads, dug out the canals, raised up the skyscrapers, and ladies and gentlemen, our ancestors built the most exceptional republic ever to exist in all of human history. And we are making it greater than ever before. Okay, and the Democrats sit for that. The Democrats sit for that, right? The Democrats, so they sit for that. He, he gives this really great description of what America has been, how it was built, and Democrats can't stand. Now, maybe they don't stand because of the very end. He says, we're making it greater than ever. So they think they're cheering for Trump. But why exactly can't you cheer for the fact that America is freaking phenomenal place. It really is. And if your campaign is America sucks and his campaign is America is great, you're going to lose. You are. You're going to lose. Okay. So Nancy Pelosi concludes this really bad night for Democrats by making it a worse night for Democrats. She's trying to signal to her entire base that she disapproves of this. Now, you remember last time around, she gave the little clap and then people were like, oh, look at that. That queen slaying because she's mocking President Trump. Oh, and then she's like, I wasn't mocking President Trump. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Now, She's like, now she's like, okay, I'm going to make this explicit. So she's been waiting the whole speech to get to this moment because in very produced fashion, she obviously gets up and she rips up the speech because this is such trash. It's trash. Here's Nancy Pelosi as the speech concludes, standing up and tearing the speech in half on camera to make clear her disdain for the president of the United States. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. Thank you very much. Right, so there she is. She's just tearing up the speech page by page, over and over, right? Not just once, not just twice, three times because it's too thick a speech for her tiny hands to actually grasp and rip because, because she hates Trump so much. Because afterward, she's asked specifically about why she tore up the speech, 
right? Which, which again, is a is a petty move. Imagine, imagine for just one second that Paul Ryan, during Barack Obama's State of the Union address, he'd gotten up at the end and ripped it. Can you imagine the end? It would have been, what a racist Paul Ryan is. He's the president of the United States. You don't rip up the State of the Union address that he just gave, no matter how much you disagree. You have time to give a Democratic response to this thing later or a Republican response in the case of Paul Ryan. Why would you rip up the speech? Nancy Pelosi does it. Slay queen. She's wearing white like the suffragettes. Wow. Slay queen. So afterward, she's asked about this. And Nancy Pelosi says, well, I really wanted to do with something worse. I don't know, wipe your ass. Like, what exactly did you want to do with it? That was different. It's just uh, here is Nancy Pelosi explaining her reaction to ripping up the speech. This is clip 31. Why did you rip the speech up, Madam Speaker? Because it was a courteous thing to do, considering the alternative. It was a courteous thing to do because it should have it should have been treated much worse. Which parts of it? The part where he was paying tribute to the Tuskegee Airmen or the part where he was talking about killing Soleimani or the part where he was reuniting a family or the part where he was giving a, a cancer-ridden conservative icon, Rush Limbaugh, the Medal of Freedom in the gallery? Like, well, which part of it was the most was the most offensive to you, Speaker Pelosi? I mean, that's a bad look. Seriously, it's a bad look for Democrats. It makes her look petty. It makes her look foolish. And that's exactly what she doesn't want to look like. If her entire pitch is that Donald Trump is petty and foolish and vengeful, then why would you want to do the exact same thing? If your entire pitch has been sober solemnity, we are sober and we're sad and we're solemn, right? This has been her entire shtick while she's handing out gold pens at the Capitol building after signing the impeachment documents and talking about saving the Republic while joking with Bill Maher. Like, Democrats have no leg to stand on. They're totally undercutting themselves, truly undercutting themselves. Their case against Trump was several fold. One, President Trump is corrupt. And then you get, but then they're saying like Hunter Biden is fine. Then you get the Democrats saying, no, no, he's incompetent. And then you get the Iowa caucuses. And then you get President Trump is divisive and petty. So your choice is to hand out gold pens during impeachment, grin broadly, and then tear up his speech after the State of the Union address. Like it's dumb politics on a high level. Listen, she can do whatever she wants. I'm not one who believes that we should, you know, always respect the institutions in, in this way. Like it's fine. I don't care. I really don't. What I do think is that this is moronic. Like, I'm not upset at Nancy Pelosi for doing it. I'm actually kind of happy she did it because it demonstrates full scale that she is not what she says she is. Nancy Pelosi has pretended for years that she is the detective, right? I've described before. I've said President Trump is not the murderer. He is the coroner. That when President Trump is standing over a dead body and the dead body is American politics and all of the niceties of American politics, people are like, well, he murdered American politics. And I've said before, no, no, no. He just declared it dead. American politics was already in serious trouble and Trump hasn't fixed it, but he declared it dead. Nancy Pelosi has been pretending she's the detective, right? She's pretending that she's the detective. But Nancy Pelosi has been in Washington, D.C. nearly as long as I've been alive. And Nancy Pelosi is the is the butler. Okay, she's not the detective. She's not the person who is tracking down the murderer. She's not the person who is tracking down all of this, who is fixing the problem. She's not the person who's going to correct American politics by catching the murderer and putting them behind bars. She's the butler. Okay, she's the person who at this is this is a heel turn for Nancy Pelosi. In the WWE lexicon, right? She This is the heel turn. She went from being the suffragette hero to revealing beneath the pasteboard mask. She's been revealing exactly what she is, which is she is one of the reasons that American politics has fallen apart. And what she did last night was just her demonstrating full scale what exactly she is. So good on Nancy Pelosi. Thanks for taking off the mask. I'm glad we all got to see that. Okay, time for a very quick thing I like and then a very quick thing that I hate. So quick thing that I like. I didn't comment on President Trump in the State of the Union 
giving the Medal of Freedom to Rush Limbaugh. This is great because it really isn't just him giving the Medal of Freedom to Rush Limbaugh. It's really him getting, giving the Medal of Freedom to all the Americans that Rush Limbaugh has been talking to for years. Rush has always been the guy who is speaking to the Americans who were left out and demeaned by the mainstream media, right? That, that really is what Rush is. Talk radio did not exist. The AM band was a nothing until Rush Limbaugh reinvigorated the, the, the AM band. But not only did he reinvigorate the AM brand, he gave... Republicans and conservatives, a place to get their news that wasn't dramatically biased against them, that didn't hate them, that didn't scorn them. Rush Limbaugh birthed the conservative commentary at industry. Without Rush Limbaugh, there wouldn't be the show. The show wouldn't exist without Rush Limbaugh. Right? Shows like this would not exist without Rush Limbaugh. You wouldn't be able to talk to millions of people without Rush Limbaugh. And so Rush being awarded this, a guy from Cape Girardeau, Missouri, right, which is where he is from. It's kind of a little town near St. Louis. The 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 fact that that Rush is given a Medal of Freedom after being basically, I mean, he'll tell you himself, basically a ne'er-do-well for most of his young life. He's like a scout for the Kansas City Royals. He's like a gopher for the Kansas City Royals. And then he started doing like nighttime talk radio. And then he was doing local radio in Sacramento and suddenly becomes this giant in American conservatism. This guy who represents tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of Americans in, in terms of their viewpoints. This guy who was just diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, which Unfortunately, prognosis is, is really not good for, for stage four lung cancer. He's brought to the State of the Union. He's honored. He's given the Medal of Freedom. It was a great moment. It was President Trump acknowledging the people who, who brought him to the presidency. It was President Trump acknowledging the people who had been forgotten and scorned and disdained by the media, the same people that Russia's been talking to for years. I thought it was a wonderful moment. The Democrats, of course, are, are very upset about this. The same Democrats who are very happy with Teddy Kennedy, a man who left a woman to drown under a freaking bridge. Right. They were happy when he got the Medal of Freedom from Barack Obama. They were very, very upset that, that Rush Limbaugh should get the Medal of Freedom. Now, Rush should, should presumably leave a woman to die. Maybe maybe that would get them the Medal of Freedom in, in the Democratic lexicon. It's pretty amazing. But in any case, he was given the, the Medal of Freedom last night. And it was a pretty great moment. Rush, in recognition of all that you have done for our nation, the millions of people a day that you speak to and that you inspire, and all of the incredible work that you have done for charity. I am proud to announce tonight that you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I will now ask the First Lady of the United States to present you with the honor, please. It's a pretty fantastic moment. Rush, obviously, you know, he was having trouble hearing, which is pretty obvious. In, in echoey rooms, he's had ear problems. He, had, he has cochlear implants. He's had that for years. The, the, you know, obviously emotional and in tears, as, as he should be. I mean, it's... Rush and Catherine... Yeah, the, the fact that the media have, have been what they are is the reason why Rush Limbaugh was important to the country and is important to the country and will continue to be important to the country. He's had an impact on generations. So that was a, a wonderful, wonderful moment. And good for the president of the United States for paying tribute to an iconic conservative who has shaped so many minds and hearts over the course of years. OK, time for a quick thing that I hate. So as I say, the Democratic response to the State of the Union is over the top and insane, like insane. Okay, it's a wildly popular State of the Union. It's best Trump It is the best Trump has been. If he if he could keep this up, which I doubt because Within 12 hours, he'll be tweeting something dumb. But if he could keep this up, he would win. And he'll, I mean, he'd wall up the Democrats. If this were if this were full-time Trump as opposed to very part-time Trump, 
the Democrats would be in a lot more serious trouble even than they are. Well, the Democrats were very upset. Members of the media were super upset about all of this. Jonathan Alter from Newsweek, he compared President Trump's State of the Union to Nazi propagandist Joseph Goebbels. Okay, just a, a quick point. Joseph Goebbels was, was like a Nazi and he was propagandizing on behalf of the genocide of Jews. You might want to stay away from the Goebbels comparisons when you're talking about the president of the United States giving what was, by all accounts, a fairly measured and generally well-precedented State of the Union address. Even if you don't believe that he was spitting out the facts the way Huffington Post wanted him to spit out the facts, even if you believe that that he was quote-unquote lying the way that Democrats keep claiming, that's something that presidents do during the State of the Union all the time. And it's a political speech, of course. To compare it to Joseph Goebbels is patently insane, but this is what the media have done. Trump, Trump has driven them out of their gourds. The gourd has a hole in it and their brains are falling out. Like they're, they're, they're just, they're, they're crazy. They've lost it. Here's Jonathan Alter losing it. He is a master marketer and, and he understands, as Mark Twain said, that a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth can get its boots on. Yeah. And it, it's one thing to lie in, in tweets and that, you know, that people are absorbing them at different times and go through the news cycle. It can be, but when you're doing it repeatedly, in real time. And part of it is Goebbels, the big lie. The big lie. Really? The big, it's, it's Goebbels, the big lie? Seriously? Come on, gang. Come on. And then I, I did love Rashida Tlaib's reaction. So she walked out of the State of the Union. Why did she walk out of the State of the Union? She walked out because the president mentioned Brett Kavanaugh, which was very, you can't mention Brett Kavanaugh, according to Rashida Tlaib. Now you should have mentioned Hamas. That would have pleased her more because Rashida Tlaib likes Hamas more than she likes Brett Kavanaugh which says something about the Democratic Party. Here she was with Rachel Maddow tutting the State of the Union. You were among the several Democratic lawmakers who actually walked out of the president's speech uh, before it was done tonight. Tell me about that decision and, and what was the tipping point for you? Well, I think, you know, the, even the mention of Brett Kavanaugh for me is a trigger. Uh, just as a woman in America, uh, the fact that he, you know, rightfully was accused and, and having an incredibly strong woman come before the public in the world and, and tell her story of sexual assault by this person that was appointed to uh, the Supreme Court is just alone that uh, I couldn't stand still and, and not do anything about it. And I, I it needed to walk away from guys. that. She hadn't planned anything. Like, honestly... I never thought I would say this. I long for the decorum of AOC. Seriously, like at least AOC did, did what she should do. She said, listen, I'm not going to show up and I'm going to go home. I'm going to I'm going to cook something in the instant pot, mix a few drinks and do some Instagramming. Like at least that's respectful enough to the process of saying, listen, I know that I'm not going to like what I hear, but I'm not going to stage this walkout and do this very childish thing where I go there and rip things up and play on my phone while the whole thing's going on. I'm just not going to be there. Props to AOC. Seriously, like that's an actual quasi-mature thing to do. It's still not like perfectly mature, but it's quasi-mature. I'll tell you what's not mature is playing on your phone while you're yucking it up with Ilhan Omar and then you leave because Brett Kavanaugh was mentioned. Go to hell. Seriously, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The whole thing's ridiculous. But you know what? When they show them, when when they show you who they are, believe them, right? They, they're fond of quoting the Maya Angelou quote. All right, when, when Rashida Tlaib shows you who she is, believe her. Okay, so this is who the Democrats are. They're immature, and, they're, and if their case is that they are the adults in the room, they did not prove it last night where they looked incredibly childish and Trump looked very, very presidential. Now, again, can Trump stay there? Well, let's see, what time is it? Like, uh, probably not. And when I say probably, I mean no, because the president was then on Twitter immediately after the speech, just retweeting all of these anti-Nancy Pelosi memes. Just let it sit, Mr. President. Seriously, just let it sit. But what did last night prove? It proved that if anything, even if you say that Trump's going to go back to being Trump, which he will, even if you say that, what, what, what you really saw last night 
is that the Democrats are not a difference in kind. They are just socialists who are also children. So if their rip on Trump is that he's a thin-skinned, orange man, bad child, you didn't prove that you guys were anything but thin-skinned and childish and ridiculous last night when you walk out of speeches early before we could pay tribute to members of the military, tear up speeches, refuse to use the traditional honorifics, play with your phone during the State of the Union address. You made yourself look like asses. And you know what? Good. Because the American people should see that the choice in 2020, there is no quote-unquote dignified candidate on the ballot. You're just going to have a choice between socialists who are undignified and somebody who's not a socialist and who kind of likes America, who is who is not supremely dignified. All righty, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Or alternatively, we'll be back here tomorrow. Go subscribe right now, Daily Wire. When you do, use DW2020, get 20% off. Or we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Poramina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. On the Matt Walsh Show, we're not just discussing politics. We're talking culture, faith, family, all of the things that are really important to you. So come join the conversation. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 